and welcome to another episode of the Big Knowledge Football Dynasty Podcast. I'm Sonny and I'm your host. So what's up? Welcome back. Hope all is well. Got another podcast for you today. Today's episode is going to be another Dynasty Spotlight. I have three players for you and I'm kind of nicknaming this episode the On the Fence episode because all three of these players I've been on the fence about and uh, it's kind of been struggling to decide. So, and also I think that at least two of the first two and maybe even the third in a way um, are going to be affected by this upcoming combine. So it's going to be, you know, a kind of a, a timely episode for me uh, to put out because I think not only is it kind of me making a statement and having to decide right before the combine comes out, but also me kind of prefacing that with what I would need to see from the combine um, to maybe shift my opinion or to solidify said opinion. So let's get right to it. I want to give a special thanks to uh, Pinches24 on iTunes for the review. Thank you very much. It's much appreciated. I know it doesn't seem like it takes but just a minute, but um, not many people take that minute, so thank you very much. All right, so the first prospect I want to talk about is Akeem Butler, uh, wide receiver, six foot six, two 225 pounds out of Iowa State. You know, the first thing I can think of with him, I remember that there's some players, actually a lot of players, that I actually hear things about before I see because I maybe listen to a lot of podcasts. And you just kind of sometimes don't actually, I don't watch a lot of college football, especially small school football. So to me, it's like I, I hear things about somebody before I actually see them. And then one of the first things I heard about Hakeem Butler was the kind of reference that if LeBron James were, you know, went and played football, that that would be Hakeem Butler. And that was kind of impressive, but they also followed it up with kind of like, and he should be a tight end. You know, he plays wide receiver, but, you know, he's so big, he's probably as big as a tight end. And immediately, I think in my head, I heard that, and I was just kind of like, oh, I don't know. That sounds bad. You know, a guy that's, that's going to be as big as a tight end as a wide receiver. We've seen that too many times. We've seen guys who come out and, you know, Kelvin Benjamin style, uh, where it's just tough for them to keep that weight off. If you're already that large, and he's not necessarily weigh that much, and, I, and that's the thing. I hadn't actually seen him. So when I picture LeBron James, I'm thinking, that is a tight end. I don't know if I would want him as a wide receiver unless he stayed a lot slimmer than, than it, you know, LeBron James, per se. But, you know, it, I think it is interesting. And, and just talking about LeBron James, it is amazing. I think it's funny that I don't know if there's ever been a player where more people, fast, you know, like just dreamed and, and had this fascination with the idea of them playing another sport as much as LeBron James possibly playing football. And I'm of the opinion that he would have been a really great football player, you know, probably just, you know, one of the best wide receivers or tight ends. Uh, and really just an amazing athlete if he had not got hurt. But that's the thing is football, you never know. If LeBron James had chased football, he might have been the guy in college that just got a neck injury or something and we never heard from him again. He would never have been LeBron James. So in a way, you know, it's a, he, I think he was very smart to choose basketball. But, okay, on to Hakeem Butler. Let's talk about him in a minute. So that was my first impression. I remember just thinking, ah, the guy that big, I don't know. I don't know if I'd really believe in that to be a successful wide receiver in today's NFL. And then I think I even did a little research on him. I usually watch film first. So I did watch some film on him, I'm sure. And then I always I kind of watch film first. And then I go read kind of stuff about him. And then I go back and watch film and try to see if I can correlate the two. That's that's usually my process. But whatever, at some point, I, I saw things that I really liked. I saw what my eyes told me was just a really fascinating player. He's so big, but he's really quick with his feet. He's pretty dominant. He broke tackles. He just did a lot of things. He seemed to have really strong legs. And he did look thin. He did not look like a guy who was overweight or potentially could become overweight. It just didn't have that, that appearance to me. So then I did a little more research, and it, it wasn't overly impressive that he was a two-star prospect coming out of high school. He was kind of 
I th- from what I read, I did some research, and he did play a lot of basketball. He was kind of more intrigued with basketball coming up, so maybe football wasn't his, his number one sport, and that might be the reason or part of the reason that he didn't necessarily get such a good rating coming out. But nonetheless, uh, when he went on to Iowa State, he was pretty dominant in his sophomore and junior seasons. I mean, his sophomore season, he had 41 catches for almost 700 yards, and then his junior season, he had 60 catches, 1,300 yards. That's like 22 yards per catch. Um it was really impressive to watch him. I think that's the thing that my eyes just couldn't get over the fact that this guy really moved quickly. You know, I thought to myself, if you like Anton Wesley, you you've got to really love Akeem Butler. You you should look at the guy, look at him play, look at all these things. Uh, there's a few things that concern me about him. One is that he is, even though he's coming out as a junior, he is going to be 23 years old, so he may be at the the top of his growth as far as overall just development. And him actually developing, and you know, as far as becoming, you know, more. But I think there's room for strength. This is where, when I talk about seeing him at the combine, I really need to see uh, whether he's fast. What you know, what is his quickness? What is his three cone? His shuttle? His even his forty time will be important to me because I just want to see how fast he really is. He looks pretty fast. He looks quick. Uh, but there are also times when it doesn't. When you're, I'm not so sure. Um, but I did like some of the stuff for for a big man, just like Antoine was. I felt like he did have some good bend. Um, the ability to kind of run nuanced routes. He, there was a thing, and this is another thing that cracks me up, is I, I saw the, the Calvin, Calvin Johnson working out with him thing. And this is where the hype, I talked about some of my big receiver favorites and then I had one guy that I just felt was a little overhyped. And honestly, that was Akeem Butler. I just felt like there's just a certain percentage of dynasty owners and dynasty community that's absolutely in love with him. People have him as the number one um, in some scenarios. So there's part of me that goes, okay, I definitely can't get on board with that. At the same time, I can see where they, they may have fallen in love a little bit or where, you know, there's this definitely appeal with this guy. So that's the one thing, though, as I wonder, okay, he's, he's a little older coming out as a junior. Also, so let me get back to the Calvin Johnson thing. So I thought that was funny because that was another uh, of these desirability hype train type things that, that builds on a player. And I saw blurbs on it. I heard him talking about it on a podcast where he was, quote, working with Calvin Johnson. And I'm not even so sure that's true. I saw the, the actual clip, and it did, he was, Calvin Johnson was showing him some, some drills or some different things as far as his technique, but it was only in this, like, little, almost made for national TV kind of blurb. I don't know that he was actually there constantly. It looked like either that or they got there right at the beginning of their interaction because it was like they were just talking and showing the first basics of kind of stuff. It wasn't like they were in the middle of this heated training and he was training with Calvin Johnson. I could be wrong, but it just seemed to me like that was blown a little bit out of proportion only because he it was just such a little moment of like, the, yeah, he's showing him a little few little tricks. There's wide receiver coaches. There's all kinds of people all over the league that can show you these tricks. It's not going to be something that's just suddenly – and I love I love hearing those kind of things in, in situations where I don't like the player so much uh, because it just – to me it boosts them up because everyone's like, oh, my gosh, they're working with so-and-so. That's going to be amazing. And it's like they automatically give the traits of that person over to them. Uh, but in this case, I, you know, it's like I actually really like Akeem Butler, and I don't want too much you know, hype. I would prefer – I would like to get him later with some of these other guys. And that's where – I don't see that really happening, and I think that's why I'm really on the fence about him because I'm having trouble reconciling the fact that he's you know, most likely a, a first-round pick. If you're going to get him and get him at the end of the first round, this probably – most likely where you could get him and where I'm probably most feel comfortable if I was going to go for him at the highest, the highest I feel comfortable. Um, when you get into the mid first round where I see some people taking him, then I kind of 
feel like. And honestly, I don't see a lot of guys in that mid-first round that I would be too excited about picking. In fact, that kind of it makes me think of a point I want to make, which is about this upcoming rookie draft. And that is that I think there are, there are certain drafts, especially uh, rookie drafts in established leagues, where people get really aggressive and they trade up. They find guys they really want, and they, there's a lot of movement in, or just people who are really trying to move up. And I don't think that's going to be the case in this draft. I feel like because we have such a diverse number of players and there's so many different uh, people's perception and general opinions on all of the different players and there's it's really hard to have a consensus ADP right now. My feeling is is that this is one of those drafts, much like I've talked about in the past, where startups, people don't usually get too aggressive trying to trade up. They, in fact, are trying to hope for some kind of value to fall to them. And in this draft, I see a lot of people, I don't see, if you're stuck there in the middle of the first round, I have a feeling you're going to be stuck making that pick. So we are going to find ourselves, I don't really have too many right in the middle of the first round, but if you do, I think you're going to find yourself in a position where you really have to, you're probably not going to be able to move out of there, even if you want. And you might, you might in fact, you know, don't put it past, once you get on the clock and once you get close to being on the clock, there's just always a love for one of these guys. And there are some good receivers right there on five, six, seven. They'll probably see somebody. But if it, to me, if it's like if it gets out and my favorite two or three are gone, and I'm looking at David Montgomery or some of these guys, I'm gonna be like, oh, geez, you know. So I just feel like that there is a very good chance that even if you want to move back, people are, are realizing or going to realize that in this kind of scenario, there's no sense in trying to move up and quote get your guy because your guy could very well fall to you because there's just so many different. Um, orders in which the players could fall, that I think everyone's going to be in a sit-and-wait, kind of hope either their guy or hope some kind of value uh, falls to them and hope other people make mistakes. And so that is is one kind of side note that I wanted to make. One other thing I wanted to mention about him, I did notice, and no, I don't think anyone mentioned any of the scouts I've been looking at reading. I just haven't seen anybody really talk about this. But, you know, A.J. Brown, he gets a lot of criticism for playing out of the slot and how much work he did out of the slot. And although I saw Hakeem Butler do a lot of outside work too, and impressively, he did some stuff, you know, like I said, we're out running and, and bending his hips and doing different nuanced inside routes, outside routes, vertical. But also, I think most of the big plays I saw from him, most of the highlighted big, the super, the, just the amazing, um, just he was just running down the field and all of a sudden he's 20 yards past everybody and he's just kind of sprinting to the end zone. They almost all came when he was working out of either the slot position um, or he was working in like a three, they were doing like a trips and he was in the slot, but he was inside. He was always playing inside. He never had a, a man bumping him. And that to me is at least a little bit of, uh, you have to take note of that because without seeing him work with somebody who's in his face, who's kind of giving him little pushes off the line and, and causing him to not be able to get that separation, he may not be that fast. And that's when we see him at the combine, we're going to find out what kind of quickness he has and what kind of actual speed he has. Because there's times when I see him and he looks like A.J. Green, uh, just like a little taller, even like a faster Alshon Jeffrey or something. And if, if that's the case, then I'm really, I would be excited to take him in the first round and would probably want to take him over a handful of these other guys. But they're, my, my common sense and my probability meter, just the probabilities, tells me that a guy who's 6'6", um, who may be at the, the, the height of his athletic capacity, has got some risks. There, there's things that, that I really you know do want to have at least a little more information on and I need a little more clarity. But for right now, let's just get to the bottom line now when I'm standing on that fence. I am going to say that I am in on Hakeem Putler. 
And the reason I say I'm in on him is because I think that I would take him in the late first round. The guy I'm going to talk about next is kind of going in the same scenario. And, and right now, depending on what I see, I, I think I would probably lead Butler. Maybe I think he's a little safer, especially if it's late. I've got some, some 112s and a 111 and stuff. So I think that late in the first round, there's a very good chance that I'm at least going to be targeting a few shares. I don't think he's a guy that I'm going to want to let you know, him completely go and not get any, any shares of him. So I think I'll be willing to make that pay that price. Although I would say the reason that, like I said, I've struggled with this decision is I still feel very strongly about getting guys like Preston Williams or Antoine Wesley much later and just kind of get, soaking up the value and taking a chance with them instead of taking a chance with one of my first-round picks. But right now, I just I don't know if I feel that strong about anybody for the first round. So if I'm going to get stuck and have to make a pick, depending on what I see here up and coming at the Combine, I think that right now I, w- I would be okay with Akeem Butler. And also, another point I want to make is I really do, the more I look at this draft and I see how many wide receivers there are and just so many, uh, like a variety of talented wide receivers, I do think that this is a good year for us as Dynasty players to maybe stock up on wide receivers. As I mentioned before, I think that this is a year where the NFL draft, the teams are not going to be going crazy early on in the draft. I mean, they might take some wide receivers, but... I think because there's such a huge amount of receivers and there's not anybody who stands out that much over the rest of them besides you know DK's physical profile, but I don't know if he's necessarily a better receiver. He's just a little more freaky, and that upside can get you drafted higher. But really, I think that there's a lot of guys that are talented, and that's going to kind of push them down the draft board. I think a lot of teams are going to be able to wait and try to just snag different players, whether it's uh, you know kind of scat back type running backs or whether it's you know, different impact players as wide receivers. And if that's the case, I think that we're going to see a devaluing of those players in terms of dynasty as well. They're just going to be a lot of, for one, there's a ton of wide receivers. And so people are always trying to get running backs in other positions, which will push the wide receivers down. But on top of that, just seeing people being drafted, these players being drafted in the fifth or sixth that could be second or third round potential players, which I think is going to happen maybe in a multitude then those are the kind of things that, that can really add more value. So I just think that this might be a good year to really stock up on receivers. And if that's the case, then taking a Hakeem Butler in the first round and then still adding these other guys may be a good play, even though I might have more receivers or more offensive players than I necessarily want coming out of the draft. It's like you can always you can always make deals later. You can always make changes. So in terms of just getting the right value at the right time, I think that uh, this might be that year to really start filling our coffers in terms of wide receiver talent. Uh, and if that means drafting multiple receivers and getting them at the different levels, then so be it. So even though I'm not strong about this and I really feel like I'm just kind of falling off the fence, not necessarily jumping off the fence, I am going to say for now I am in on Hakeem Butler. But I do need to see more. I need to see the combine. And then I will really give you a more solid answer. Okay, so let's talk about our second player, Devin Singletary, running back. Florida Atlantic. So first of all, it's Devin Motor Singletary. Let me let me add that in there because I think this is important. Let's talk about nicknames for a second. Nicknames are a funny thing because I like to take note of nicknames. To me, uh, nicknames are one of those things that uh, they can be good and they can be bad. The good side of a nickname for me is not this situation. There's a guy I really like that I'll talk about in one of my – it's a running back. I'll talk about another. And he has a nickname, but it's, he's not real well known, and so the nickname is not – driving his value up. But in this situation like a Devin Motor Singletary, I do think that the nickname in itself adds just an extra element of buzz. If you think about all the great players in the league who have nicknames, usually it's guys like Nuke and OBJ and 
just kind of it's it's rare. I think of Tariq Cohen and how I didn't I didn't know if he was Tariq Cohen or Tariq Cohen, but I knew he was the human joystick because that was a nickname and and it stuck with me. I remember just thinking the human joystick, yeah, that guy. So anyway, I think that it is something to know, and especially I mean, Motor Singletary. That is a that's a great nickname. That's such a beautiful nickname, and it has like different meaning. It's just such a what a what a whoever came up with that was brilliant because Motor it, it entails so much. It kind of encompasses a lot in in the sense that not only can it kind of be interpreted as somebody with wheels, but it also can be kind of interpreted as you know stamina or someone a hard worker, you know, a motor, someone who motors. So it's just a great nickname, beautiful nickname, and it really does suit him. I will preface this by, you know, before I talk about him, I do have Devin Singletary in my Devi League, and I, I want to say I, I'm kind of in love with the kid in, in certain ways. I, there's a lot of aspects I really love about his game, but I will say also that 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 came, you know, sometimes when you own players, you fall kind of in love with them, or you get kind of attached to them because they're on your team, and so you follow them. That's not the case. I actually, when I was drafting my Debbie team, I did some research and looked at some film and re- pretty much fell in love with him that year where I was like, oh my gosh, I just love this guy when I drafted him. So it was kind of a product of me falling in love with him, me drafting him. So there is that. Uh, but let's talk about him for a second. He He's really, he's got amazing stop and go, and I think he's got maybe the best vision. He has this Matrix-style ability when he's running the football to set people up, to set up his spin moves, to set up ridiculous stiff arms, where it's almost like he sees the the play coming, he positions his feet, he takes that one extra little hop step or something, and then he just sets himself up beautifully, and it's like he saw the play coming from before. He, he broke the most tackles in all of college football, and what I thought was interesting is I saw a lot more plays where Guys didn't even touch him, you know. He just juke plays, and so I don't think I don't even know if they count that as a broken tackle because nobody actually touched him. But there's a lot of really magic in his game. There's there's some stuff that that I think is special um, when I watch Devin Singletary. But there are some concerns, and, and one of those concerns is that he is only 200 pounds. He's like five eight though. I was like, if you're going to be 200 pounds, I'd like you to be a little shorter, just because the ma- the body mass index or whatever it is. It's just kind of they're not as small as you may perceive because they're harder to get their hands on, harder to see, and their their center of gravity is much lower. He's not really fast, but he is quick, and I would say that that is the thing that I'm two things I'm going to really be watching for at the combine. Um, his speed, I need to see if he's fast and just like his three cone and shuttles. He has like his quickness. He, he looks like he's really quick, uh, but it's hard to say when you're playing in the Florida Atlantic. He had 54 touchdowns in the last two seasons, which is like, what? I mean, yeah, 54 touchdowns in two seasons, 32 and 22. So, it, you know, they definitely rode him. You know, then when you talk about David Montgomery and how they felt like they rode him, I felt like I saw a lot more of Devlin Singletary just getting all the attention. Still, a lot, you know, a lot of those college offenses do a lot of that trickery to try to spread teams out, and I saw some of that with them as well. And they did seem to have a better offensive line, at least in compared to their competition. But he, like I said, you just see special, you know special when you see it. And, and there's no doubt that Devin Singletary has some really special traits. The other thing and the biggest factor for me, and this is why it's going to be really important for me to watch a Devin Singletary at the Combine, is that he didn't really catch a lot of passes. And he's not that big. And his, if his forte is going up the middle, I don't know that I really want to invest, especially what's looking like a first-round pick right now in dynasty drafts, rookie drafts. 
to to invest that kind of capital in a guy that is a between the tackles runner, undersized between the tackles runner, and he doesn't catch the ball that much concerns me. But I will say he has the skill set to be a really good receiver. He has the the quickness, he has the the change of direction ability and the the sharp cutting ability that one would think he would be able to get open, you know, much like a lot of the better pass receiving running backs. It's just we haven't seen it a lot. He he did have twenty catches or something his first couple of seasons, but then last season he only had like six or eight catches. And maybe that's just a product of the system. And when we watch the combine, I really want to see you know, those those drills and just see how natural he looks, see how he cuts, see how he catches the ball. Because that might be a big a big difference maker and then see where he goes and what kind of team is investing in him. But when we get back to the fence, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to stay on the fence. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to get off the fence yet. I'm kind of honestly, I'm leaning. If I were about to fall off the fence, I'd be falling off and saying no on Devin Singletary. But I'm not there yet. I want to see the combine. So I'm just, I'm just going to hang on to the fence right now as tight as I can because I do love me some Devin Singletary. But I also feel like it's just... You know, there's other players I would rather fall to me. There's quite a few wide receivers that I think will be falling to the late first. And I, I just have this feeling that I will be taking a lot of those. There is a chance, probably an outside chance, but there is a chance that out of all my dynasty teams, my 15 teams, my Devi team that I already have, Devin Singletary, could end up being the only team I end up with him on. So that is a possibility. But I do like him better than the other running backs, to be honest with you. But that might be a bias of mine. Uh, just the fact that I do like him, and and therefore I've kind of got an affinity for him already. I've I've been following him, and like I said, I've kind of had this just really amazement with the style he plays. I really like watching him play, so that gives him a little boost um, in in desirability for me. And so I am aware of that, and that's why I'm trying to be honest. And I have been on the fence about you know wh- how I really feel about him in terms of his value. So now I'm going to stay, I'm not going to do this to you too often, but right now I'm going to stay on the fence until we find out a little bit more from the Combine. Okay, and so now on to the final player of our three-player, and this is a player who's in the league. This is second-year wide receiver, James Washington, Pittsburgh Steelers, 5'11", 215 pounds, 23 years old, second-round draft pick last year. So there's been a lot of talk about James Washington. I think that's why I wanted to talk about him because I feel like there's just a lot of buzz with James Washington, a huge amount of talk, mainly because of the Antonio Brown situation. Um, so what I, where I've been on the fence about this. I have some shares about of James Washington, and I'm trying to figure out whether a I, I really want you know I'm excited about those, or maybe I think it's a good time to sell their shares. Um, so anyway, I think when I look at the overall situation. What scares me is I went back, I have NFL Game Pass, and I actually, I remember Chris Harris talking about James Washington and how he watched the film and he was kind of unimpressed, but, you know, he liked him. I So I decided to just go watch what I could on the NFL Game Pass, and you can see every play, and I was super unimpressed as well. I just didn't see a lot. I never saw him really dominating other defensive backs. Instead, I felt like I saw him getting dominated a lot of times. And for a guy who didn't profile all that athletically, I, my eye never loved James Washington. I'll be honest with you. The eye never said, like, yes, I love this guy. Yeah, he did make plays and stuff, but I also felt like he never just dominated. And in the preseason, he got a little buzz because he made a couple good catches. But, And I think the biggest thing for me, the reason I bought in and he bought some shares was just because of that belief in, in the Steelers and their ability to pick wide receivers. But 
that kind of brings me to my point in where I'm, I'm kind of jumping off the fence. I'm going to go ahead and jump off the fence on James Washington. I do think that maybe this is a good time to sell. And I'll tell you why. I think that because right now there is a, is a considerable buzz for James Washington. I think there's an assumption that he's coming in, he's taking over. Uh, maybe he's taking over the juju spot or whatever. There's this assumption he's coming in, taking over a major target share, and that uh, there's going to be a big boost for him. All based on things that are not necessarily anything we saw on the field. You know what? What I think is, if a Antonio Brown's going to be leaving. That's not a guarantee for one. So, but there is this belief in the fantasy community that he's pretty much gone. So, in a way, if Antonio Brown were to stay, then that would sink Washington's value back down. So there is this window where, even if they do trade him, just the perception of him being traded right now has has given that boost to James Washington. And also, I think that the the other thing that's really driving this is that, like I said, the, the Steelers having had success drafting wide receivers pushes this narrative that they just can't miss, that they can't go wrong. But I think if you watch the film and you see even how the Steelers treated him, he got he was inactive for certain games down the stretch. He did not play that well when they actually had, when there was an opportunity for him um, via injuries to come in and make an impact. He didn't. He didn't show up and make that impact. And there was frustration. I think Ben Roethlisberger even called him out or said something. It was earlier in the season. And then he was, like I said, he was inactive for games. So it, it doesn't, there's, like the signs don't point to that aside from the fact that we all make these assumptions about Steelers draft picks. But I, I'll remind you that they did draft guy Marcus Wheaton, who I don't think the second or third round as well. They do miss. They're not perfect. And also I think the other narrative that, that goes on is that, you know, when Ben Roethlisberger retires, it won't be that big of an impact on him because Mason Rudolph will take over, and Mason Rudolph was his old quarterback, and they had such good chemistry, so it might even be a boost for him. And to that, I would just say, hey, Mason Rudolph's not even the quarterback right now, and I have a share of him in a, in a two QB league, so I hope he does kind of come around. But right now, he's not. I think he's still the third string quarterback, so there's no guarantee that Mason Rudolph even gets on the field. And if he does, there's no guarantee that James Washington gets open for him uh, in the pros. So for me. I, I'm not saying sell James Washington at some kind of, you know, really discounted price. But right now, I think that he is a hot, hot name. Every podcast I listen to, so many podcasts I hear him being talked about um, as a buy, as this is a great buying opportunity. And yet I don't see, you know, a whole lot of things and so far how he's performed. And then my final point, and this is the one that I think is that people really need to take into consideration. If you're going to trade him, you need to trade him soon uh, because the draft is coming and I have no doubt that especially if the Steelers trade away Antonio Brown that they're going to be adding wide receivers uh, whether it's through free agency which I kind of doubt because it's just it seems to me like this is that opportunity with this draft we talk about how many wide receivers there are we, we know the Steelers organization and how they love to build uh, from within why wouldn't they take this opportunity to re you know to restock their coverage just like we as dynasty players are planning on doing at least I am to do the same thing, and you're losing Antonio Brown. You have Juju, who's been great, so you made a good call there. Whether or not James Washington is going to work out, they need to add other pieces, and especially when you see all the other stuff. So I just think there's going to be, if that happens and when that happens, and especially depending on how many they add and who they add, I think you're going to see James Washington's value could, could take a huge hit, um, especially if he's not showing in preseason and all of those kind of things. We haven't seen enough from him when he had that chance. So I think about James Washington and I compare him to some of the prospects I'm looking at right now. And I think about how 
when I took the, when I gave him the eye test last year, he just didn't pass it. But I kind of bought in the narrative. I didn't get a lot of shares of him. I, I, like I said, I took a lot more Antonio Callaway, which I'm very happy I did. I still really believe Antonio Callaway is going to be a special player. With James Washington, I just didn't see enough in college or now him, you know, relating it to the pros to make me really sold on him, except for the fact that it seems like it's a great situation. But we're projecting. It's all projection. There's nothing there concrete besides a bunch of thoughts about Antonio Brown's leaving. That boosts him. And, you know, all these this Steelers success factors. And But really, I mean, you're welcome to decide for yourself, but I haven't seen anything from James Washington aside from a little boost in preseason um, that told me he was ready to compete in the NFL. And if you don't have speed and you don't have size and you're not – out there crushing people running routes, then what what really are you going to offer even your NFL team, let alone me as a dynasty player who needs production? I need points. I can't just have you being a deep threat who's not even that fast. You know, I'm not I'm not like I'm not trying to sound so passionate about this. Sometimes I just sound I have to like voice my opinion. I am on the fence about this. I do have some shares about him, and I don't uh, want to just make the mistake of just selling him off cheap when I do kind of. You know, there is that potential for, for him to really take on a share. But I also, my gut, when we talk about gut, I think that this is one of those situations where I really I really feel like James Washington is, is a sell. It's, it's, it's just that we haven't seen enough, and there's a lot of things that are still going to shift. And, and I just, for where the value he's peaked up to, he's not a pillar, as I've said before, as far as pillar players. And if you can get close to pillar value or just package him with, with a little bit for a pillar – somebody who you really think is already established, oh, by all means, I think you really should do it. And I'm thinking about doing it as well. Unfortunately, a lot of my my leagues, uh, we don't get going this early. And so it's going to be probably well after the draft before I am able to even take a look at it selling my shares. And that might already have changed things. So anyway, that's it. That's, that's James Washington. That's the number third guy. And that's pretty much it for the podcast. Don't have a whole lot else to say. Excited about the Combine. I think I'll get back to you guys this weekend with another episode, maybe right in the Combine because I might have some time. Um, I've got some other players and some other concepts I want to talk about. So that's it. Thank you for listening. If you guys want to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter at BigKnowledgeFO1, BigKnowledgeFootball on Twitter, or you can email the show at BigKnowledgeFootball at gmail.com. did want to mention uh, Charlie. Shout out to Charlie. I did get an email from Charlie, a listener, who was asking about um, a couple questions, but one mainly about IDP. And uh, yes, I will be talking about IDP. I do have a plan. Because I kind of go cheap on IDP, as I mentioned to him in the, in the response, I don't I don't focus on it. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I will do probably a rookie version, especially with the guys that I think are going to be high impact. So I will try to fit that in there. And also, I was thinking about it, you know, because I don't have any drafts coming out, if you guys have drafts that you're doing or are coming up and you want to send them over to me, I would love to see them, uh, whether you want to email them or, or hit me up on Twitter or something. Because if it's if it's got some interesting content, I'd love to talk about it. Because right now, I'm just kind of relying on what I see on ADP or what I find on Twitter, people kind of posting about what where players are going. So I'd love to see where real players who pay real money for you know to play in a league actually take players. I think it makes such a difference. It just kind of really gives you a different context for all the variables that can happen. So if you guys have that, by all means, send them over to me. You know, Tell me what's going on. I'd love to see it. It would really be appreciated. Give me a chance to kind of see some some real stuff, and then maybe we can talk about it as well. So anyway, thank you for listening, and I will talk to you soon.